there was a decapitated Ewok head, which I was just like, what is that? Wicket would be appalled. Like It was just this like little Ewok head that was sitting at the base of its foot. And I was just like, that's just so strange. Greetings and salutations, everyone, as we blast off into yet another episode of the Dagobah Dispatch. And we've got a bit of a wacky one for you this week. I'm Dalton Ross here with Lauren Morgan. Thanks to her non-proximity to New York City, Devin was spared this week. We stashed her in carbonite and gave her the week off as Lauren and I took a big Star Wars field trip which we will get to in just a moment. But uh, first off, how's it going, Lauren? And did you watch Obi-Wan Kenobi, the finale, yet again since we last spoke? I don't think I watched it all the way through, but I did watch the fight between Vader and uh, Ewan again, just because I really enjoyed that. And I I probably have watched some other uh, Star Wars-related properties in the last couple of days. Of course you have. Yeah, I went back and watched the finale again. It was Mm -hmm. great. I had the house to myself. I cracked open a beer, put it on the big screen, like turned it up really, really loud. It was, uh, it was it was super fun. That's the one thing I have not watched it on an actual television screen yet. I've mostly just been watching it on my laptop. Laptop, yeah. Actually, I don't think I've watched any of the Obi Wan Kenobi on anything but my laptop. So I should probably actually try watching it on an actual screen. People, let me translate. This is Lauren Morgan looking for any excuse to watch the show again. She intentionally <laughs> watched it on her laptop so she would force herself to watch it later on the big screen. It looks great on the big screen. I, yeah. I posted one screen grab on my Twitter over the weekend of just the shot right before the battle when Vader's walking up to Obi-Wan. So cool looking. Looks some, like some of the old Ralph McQuarrie drawings. It's really, really neat. So uh, we'll let us know what it looks like on the big screen once you get to it. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. speaking of the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale, Lauren's sister has reached out again. I say again, because a few weeks back, she was very upset, hopping mad, you might say, with our Star Wars Top 100 characters ranking. She uh, stabbed her own sibling in the heart by saying Ahsoka Tano had no business Mm -hmm. being ranked in the top 10. She is a passionate lady, Lauren's sister. Let me tell you that much. And she had some thoughts about our coverage of the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale She once again has sent in an audio recording with her feelings on the matter. Let's take a listen. I keep hearing complaints from people that are upset that Obi-Wan did not kill Darth Vader in the last fight. I I mean, I don't even understand where this comes from. This makes it absolutely no sense to me. He obviously lives. So why would you expect him or get annoyed with the fact that he didn't kill him? Oh, people. (laughs) <laughs> first off i'm shocked now i, I remember there was some sibling discord mm-hmm. last time she sent in a message because you you capped her at one minute and she kept going over wanting to go over and this time only 23 seconds yeah short and sweet it was short this one was based on not even so much of what we said but she was hearing complaints from some other star wars fans that she knew that uh, we're mad that Kenobi didn't kill Darth Vader. And she's like, you dopes, what is he supposed to do? But isn't the complaint, Lauren, because we did talk about this on our podcast. I don't want to like incur your sister's wrath. I know it's a dangerous place (laughs) to be, but they could have set it up so he didn't have the opportunity, right? Yeah, I mean, they could have set it up. Like maybe he didn't know he survived, but he really did just walk away. So I understand that complaint. 
but more it was people were just actively mad that he didn't actually kill him. And that was what my sister was responding to. So this was someone specifically that we both know who said that. And my sister was like, what? But I, I think she's just, my sister really, really loved the show. She said it was the best Star Wars show. She's watched it more than I've watched it. So she was really a big fan of it. So I don't think she's brooking any criticism of it right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I think like it just doesn't make sense that he yeah, sits there and has a choice to kill him and leaves him alive. I mean, thank God I wasn't writing this show. It would have been a million times worse. But like, you know, maybe he's about to kill him and then the Grand Inquisitor, the Emperor, and an entire fleet shows up. So he has to book mm-hmm. it out of there. You know, just something like that to explain why he's not killing a Sith Lord standing uh, right in front of him. But that's neither here nor there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he thought he took, you know, he was really bashing on his life support system and Vader sounded like he was in the middle of an asthma attack. So maybe he just thought that was going to take him out. So I don't know. We did a deep dive on the finale last week. So mm-hmm. if you missed last week's episode, go check that out. What One other thing I want to get to, Lauren, before we get to our field trip that we took, our mm-hmm. Star Wars field trip, you and I, we did a Twitter spaces last week. We've done a few of these where we just kind of uh, go out as a little bonus, get on there on the Twitter, talk about this and that and what have you. And on the Twitter spaces, I said to, to the, the folks, I said, hey, you know, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll give you a shout out. And that that holds for everyone here, too. Like, if you, mm-hmm. you know, if you leave us a review, I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Okay. So in that vein, we got a review. Can I read you the review? Sure. My husband's been reading the good ones to me because he's the person who reads the comments in my house. I don't ever read the comments. Yeah, if you go, you'll see we have a terrible rating because we took over an old podcast home Mm -hmm. and the other former EW Star Wars podcast that got review bombed because one of the hosts didn't like something had nothing to do with Star Wars and everyone got really upset. And so then they all reviewed bomb with zero stars. Mm hmm. People have been much kinder since we started. We haven't gotten completely review bombed yet. But anyway, so I said I'd read the review. So here's the review. It comes from, uh, I guess, Alsheen92. And here's the review, Lauren. Okay. Dalton Ross, dot, 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 nah. (laughs) Oh, that's, yeah. Well, let me give you the subject line. You know, there's a, you can give a a subject, like a, a headline to your review before the review. Uh So I'll give you the headline also. The headline is, nah. (laughs) (laughs) So he he doubled down on the nah. He went, nah, then Dalton Ross, nah. "Nah." But then did he give us a star rating on top of that? That's That's a good question. Yeah, Yeah. we're like five stars. Five (laughs) stars, but nah, no. Damn you, Alsheen, 92. Yeah, no, that's why, like, my husband, he, uh, he, and he's been doing this for me for years, even on when I used to write Game of Thrones recaps, he would just read the comments and then just tell me if there was a good one. So I have no idea if there's been any bad ones. Yeah, you're, you're doing the, you're doing the smart thing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, it's time for us to give a review, if you will, because yes. Lauren and I took a field trip, ladies and gentlemen, and we went to an exhibit that is in New York City. It's going to be in New York City through July 24th. And then I think it moves around. So it could be coming near you. And it's called The Fans Strike Back. Now, what is The Fans Strike Back, you wonder? I'll read you the description on the website. The Fans Strike Back is an exhibition featuring more than 600 official items from the Star Wars universe collected by fans and displayed for fans 
Immerse yourself in a galaxy far, far away and see photos, posters, costumes, figures, and models of different types and sizes. So this was in New York. Lauren and I Mm -hmm. work in New York. We both live right outside New York. Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. And so it figured like, hey, we got to check this out. We got to see what's what. We didn't really know what to expect, but we we did a we did a walkthrough, and we we got some VIP tickets. Mm-hmm. Means we didn't have to wait in the line. We had some photos taken, which by the way we will post. We will post oh, no. photos. <laughs> yes, these are definitely getting posted of us. Oh, no. at the exhibit, we got uh, some lightsaber toys. I gave Lauren mine. I don't know if they're still working or not. We broke one that night. <laughs> yes, there you go. The plastic uh, broke off of the lightsaber. Wow, so. that's, an, that's an intense, intense battle there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, so the, we had, you know, it's like a green screen photos that we had taken. We had two of those taken. We'll post those. They're super fun. I will say this. Then uh, we took some of our own photos as well. Mm-hmm. A and lot I just of photos, let, actually. I, I want to let everyone know, are you ever with someone and they ask you to take a picture of them? And you think, wow, this person's a a really good photographer, so I'm kind of nervous about doing this. (laughs) Well, imagine doing that with a professional photo editor. So that's what I had to do. I'm taking pictures for Lauren of her, like next to, you know, Stormtrooper, this or that. And I'm super nervous. And the worst part about it is the best picture, the best sort of setup was actually outside at the end by the entrance (laughs) and we have Lauren's in this super cool pose and she's crossing lightsabers right in front of the big entrance and all the signage. And my thumb is totally in the frame. I totally (laughs) thumbed it. You could see my thumb at the bottom picture and I've just been horrified ever since Lauren. Well, that's okay. Sometimes my own thumbs make it into my photos and that's what cropping is for. You can always crop out the mistakes. So you know, your thumb will get cropped out. But you know, you were a very game subject, as I was telling you that I prefer to take the photos and not be in them. So I think your fo- the photos I have of you are probably more entertaining than the photos you have of me because I didn't really want to pose. You came up with some very, very funny poses. I think my photo of you uh, with the Tuscan Raider getting hit with the, the Gaddafi is Oh, I think I put it in my ear or something, didn't I? Yeah, yeah I, I think I can't remember what the Tuscan Raider implements actually called, but that's probably one of my favorite ones. I have no shame. <laughs> so we get into this place and we we find out it's this is the collection of Daniel Prada. Now, Daniel Prada was born in Madrid in 1978, and he col- he's this is his collection. But he also, I guess, Lauren makes a bunch of them. It says, yeah. like, you know, him and his buddies are making stuff, buying stuff, collecting stuff. The weird thing I'll say about the exhibit is that it gives no credits throughout. It doesn't tell you who made anything. That was one thing that I would have liked to uh, have seen some more information about because I like to know the artist behind them or who has been specifically making these things and how much garage space they have because some of these things are enormous. So I'm kind of curious about their whole entire setup. Yeah, it would have been nice. I mean, listen, the name wouldn't have meant anything to us, but you can find out what year it was made. You can find out where it was made, like what country it was made in, right? Like, yeah, it would have been nice. What media it was that. made in? I will say this, Lauren. There was sort sort of on your phone. You can take a picture of a QR code and get like. There's more info there, so maybe that's where the info was. But like, I don't want to take yeah. out my phone every single thing. Like, just post it on the wall. Anyway. Well, as I complained to you, I had just had uh, eye surgery a few days before that, so my vision was already pretty wonky at the time. So. Reading things on my phone was not something I wanted to do that day. 
Well, that way you didn't have to notice any imperfections in anything. So that's true. That's true. What we're going to do is we're going to we're going to talk about we're going to start by talking about our favorite things we saw in the exhibit, and then after that, maybe we'll talk about some of the things that were maybe not so great. But let's let's start with each talking about our three favorite things that we saw in the Fans Strike Back exhibit, which once again is in New York City through July 24th. Lauren, give me your first thing you saw that you loved. My first thing that I really actually enjoyed was there's kind of a life-size... Actually, I think Jabba would probably be a little bit bigger than this, but there was a Jabba the Hutt that they made with a salacious bee crumb in the corner, and I really just enjoyed it. It was like this huge thing. It's probably bigger than my office that I'm sitting in right now. And I just really enjoyed that. And the detail on Salacious B. Crumb was really like totally exact. Jabba was a little bit, maybe a little slightly off model, but still, I think pretty good representation of Jabba. And you did enjoy also posing on it. So, you know, I tried to mimic trying to strangle uh, Jabba for my pose. But I don't think it quite came through in the photo. Yeah, because I took a crappy photo. You could say it. It's probably blurry. (laughs) The lighting's terrible. The angle's off. It was more of my modeling than your photo. The performance wasn't there? Yeah. I love Jabba's Palace from Mm -hmm. Jedi. It's my favorite part of Jedi. And there was like smaller setups of it where they had the whole scene. And this was a giant one, as Lauren's saying, kind of like to size. And it was sort of basically they sort of have this room that they sort of created in terms of Jabba's Palace. It was super cool. It was super great to kind of like walk in there and then see Jabba sitting there. And like you said, Salacious B. Crumb and the sort of the food dish where he takes those fishy things and stuffs them in his mouth. Grogu would love them. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I like them. And then there was like a smaller model and I don't want to steal one of yours, but they had a smaller model that was sort of like more uh, built out where it was like the whole entire set. And yeah. then they had a part of it where it was like you could see the top part of it. But then at the bottom part of it, you could see where the Rancor was kept. And I thought that was pretty cool as well. That was cool. They had a whole bi-level with the Rancor. Yeah. And then up in upstairs, you could see, you know, Droopy McCool, Max Rebo <laughs> and Cy Snoodles jamming. And then a Wampa head that looked like it had been uh, stuffed on the, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, who I the Wampa and brought it back to Tatooine? That was a great one. That's a great mm. first pick. Uh, my first pick, I'm going to give, they had some figures of Darth Talon, which I thought were really cool. Now, let me explain who Darth Talon is. First off, I feel a little porny saying I like these because they do look very <laughs> S&M-y. You know, I mean, I got to be honest. They did look very S&M-y. Yeah. It's basically, imagine if Darth Maul was a super busty female <laughs> Twi'lek with hardly any clothes on. I mean, that's yeah. that's essentially who Darth Talon is. But the interesting thing about Darth Talon is she's a character from the Star Wars Legacy comics, which takes place way, way, way like 100 years after uh, the events of, of what we've seen on screen. But she was going to be the main villain of George Lucas's proposed third trilogy, along with an old Darth Maul. He said his oh, vision I didn't know was- that actually. Yeah. Darth Maul was going to be sort of old and you know we know in canon he's not dead. He's you know back together yeah. with his robot legs or whatever. And that- she was going to kind of be the Darth Vader-esque if he was now sort of the, em- that was going to focus on the underworld mm-hmm. and that she was basically going to be the main villain of that third trilogy. So it's it's kind of cool. She's very small character and sort of the, I don't think she's canon anymore. No, I don't think so. But because that stuff was all earlier, those legacy comics, but just mm-hmm. to see some figures of her admittedly looking very porny, 
um, <laughs> was, was, was kind of cool. There were some characters. I don't think Shakti would particularly like one of her figures in this thing because it was very much Shakti after dark, <laughs> not like not how you see her in the prequels. It was shock and awe tea. Shock um, and awe. <laughs> Uh, so that was that was cool. It was cool to see uh, mm-hmm. Darth Talon get some represented just with some figures. Uh, what was your second favorite thing you saw? My second one was uh, they have an enormous model of Anakin and his pod racer, but uh, on top of it was the Watto that it was really well done that was sort of just hanging around taunting Anakin. But they did this sort of, I guess it would be kind of life-size model of, of Watto that I thought was really well done. But like, you know, the pod racer was the whole thing where I was like, how big is your garage? Who's ever making this? And where did you make this stuff? So that was part of one of, the, one of my questions about when watching it. And this comes from the fact that I went to art school. My husband went to art school. I, you know, I am a former art school girl of doom. So I'm always fascinated by how people are making things and what people are making of. So I would have kind of liked to know a little bit more about the process of it. But that was one of my favorite things. It was massive. I mean, again, mm-hmm. that was one of the things that was allegedly to scale. So mm-hmm. imagine a two-scale pod racer, and that's, uh, you know, it's very horizontal, so it takes up a lot of space. Yeah, you couldn't really get a good photo of both Watto and the pod racer itself. But yeah, that was, I thought, was pretty impressive. And it was pretty early on you saw it. It was like one of the first things you saw when you went to the exhibit. I liked it too. I thought it was impressive because just the size of it. I mean, the problem is I look at something like that and then... I, I hear young Annie just going, yippee, in my head, and it just kind of ruins everything, you know? I just can't The pod race focus. was good, but, you know, yeah, that was, yeah. But we'll skip over that and just talk about the uh, actual, uh, you know, artistry behind it. It was impressive, but I don't know where they, I don't know where they have the space for that. I guess, again, this maybe someone lives out in, like, the desert or something, you yeah. know what I mean? Because certainly in, uh, you know, the densest state in the country where you and I live in New Jersey, we're not having room to make a giant pod racer. Well, my garage is already filled with various Halloween things that my husband likes to build. So I think this was also part of the reason I I thought was interesting in the exhibit is because my husband literally spends the entire year building Halloween things. He's building some kind of Halloween maze for this year, but he's got a weeping angel from Doctor Who that he built. He built a mausoleum that usually sits in our front yard. So it's like whenever I see these really huge projects people make, I just think, how big is your garage? Because mine's already stuffed with things. So how crazy is the Morgan household on Halloween? Like, are people... Oh, it's crazy. Your house is a destination? People are, like, driving to your house? Usually, at the end of September, all the kids on the block start pestering my husband about why he hasn't put up the Halloween display yet. So, and there's sometimes when my husband decides to do, like, a very spooky costume. One year, he dressed up as the gentleman from Buffy. And was just sitting rock still in our front yard and then would just slowly move to people really quick. He has sent teenagers screaming down the street in fear because he just he pulls a lot of stunts at Halloween. And how do your neighbors feel about this? Actually, they generally all all encourage it. If there's been any complaints, I haven't heard them yet. How does your house compare to the crazy Halloween house in Clifton? Uh, They're in Clifton, New Jersey. On Grove Street, there is a house, people. Imagine, look, so if anyone that's seen the Christmas light fight show where people are competing to have the craziest Christmas decorations and like there's 10 bazillion LED lights, there's Santa Claus roller coasters in the front lawn. This is the Halloween version of that. It's a dentist and which, 
you know, is scary enough to begin with. Okay. Yeah. Like that's scary enough. It's like, you got Dr. Giggles going on in there. And then <laughs> he, his entire yard is crazy town. And then there's people that go around like in characters, like with chainsaws that will chase you around that house. I haven't been there when there's the chainsaw people, but uh, usually we do. I like the fact that they have to cut the parking off around that house because yeah. like, like, especially around Halloween, it's just every single inch of this house. And it's a corner lot too, is covered in Halloween stuff. We're not quite at that level, but my, uh, my husband always does complain that this is just a lot of skeletons. It's no theme. So oh, we, okay. do, <laughs> my husband Jesus. tries to make sure we have a coherent theme He's built, rebuilt the spider that we're putting on our roof. So, uh, but you know, oh. I'm the stupid uh, one who gave him the idea of making a mausoleum. Anyway, but we should you brought, probably you brought back. that on yourself, Lauren. It yeah, like. I did. And actually, the mausoleum dent at my car one year because well, it on you. Le- leaned part on an fence. Yeah. Anyway, well, you know, I'll for my second uh, favorite item that I saw in this fan strike back exhibit. You know, most of the stuff we saw was very, very faithful. To mm-hmm. occasionally they sort of like there's a weird muscle version of Darth Maul that just looked a little off, but like most yeah. of the stuff was very, very faithful. But there was one piece that I thought was super cool, and it was essentially a Japanese stormtrooper cosplay. It oh, was that like was a, really cool. Yeah, yeah it was, so was imagine really like neat. a stormtrooper samurai, right? Is essentially what it was. Like stormtrooper done up samurai style. And I was like, oh man, I love just sort of the you know, the mashup technique here. I wish we could see more of this kind of stuff, like merging different cultures. And yeah. of course, we, we know how influential Kurosawa was to George Lucas in his storytelling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's something that makes sense in, in a way as well. I thought it was super cool. We've got a photo of that. We'll post that photo so you guys can see it. But I love that one, Lauren. I wish we'd yeah. see more of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's actually what I was thinking. That was actually going to be my third thing I talked about. That was like the one thing that I had kind of wished a little bit more that the exhibit featured was that there's so much fan art in the Star Wars community in terms of people who paint or in terms of people who are making things, but like not just reproduction of things, but people who are just kind of taking Star Wars and sort of jumping off into making like a painting or illustrations or, you know, an R2-D2 made out of trash cans or, or, uh, or soda cans or something like that. And I kind of thought we would see a little bit more of that, like Star Wars interpreted through more of an artistic lens. But I know that there are different things that they do exhibit as part of this as it travels around. So I don't know if they have more of that. But uh, the one that we saw in New York, it was a lot of figures of Boba Fett. Yeah, you're right. There was so much Boba Fett, Lauren, which is kind of what what I alluded to earlier when I said I wish I knew when these things were made, right? Because like I said, I used to be- yeah the biggest Boba Fett fan. I named my band in college Boba Fett. Like I was obsessed with Boba Fett as I think everyone was <laughs> in like, you know, the early, well, okay, maybe um, not you, but a lot of people were, maybe you not. know, in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, before Boba Fett became ubiquitous and before they gave us more and more backstory into Boba Fett, which made Boba Fett less mysterious and less cool. So there was tons of Boba mm-hmm. Fett stuff there. And I wonder when, when a lot of it was made. That was yeah, my question, because I was one of those people where I was like, what is the deal with this Boba Fett? Why are people so obsessed with him? So I was one of those sort of anti-Boba Fett people. Gadgets. It's gadgets. The answer is gadgets. Yeah, it's gadgets it in a cool costume, a cool helmet. I got it. I mean, I get that part of it. 
But yeah, so the, there was a lot of Boba Fett stuff, but strangely, like there was only like one Ray. There was like a couple of Kylos, but not really a ton of stuff from the sequel trilogy. There was no Grogu or Mando or anything like that. So I was kind of curious about like when exactly a lot of this stuff had been built. And is the more recent stuff or people in the process of building it or what it is? It was really kind of a lot of original trilogy and uh, prequel trilogy, but not a lot of sequel or any of like the new stuff. Yeah, like you you mentioned, hardly any third trilogy stuff at all. But it does. It's we've had a few years now. There's been plenty of time to build build that yeah. stuff, but it just it, it wasn't there for one for one reason or another. All right, so mm-hmm. my last one was it's weird. I had a stormtrooper, and now I'm having another trooper. This one was the shore trooper from Rogue One. You know, this is the on, on Scarif, on that sort of, you know, island of Scarif, oh, yeah. where uh, the planet Scarif, rather. And it looks like a cross between, if you're wondering, if you don't remember the, sh- the shore trooper, it looks like a cross between a stormtrooper and a scout trooper with like just super random pops of color on the armor. Like, you know, a little blue panel mm-hmm. here, like a red panel here. And there was just sort of a life-size shore trooper that I just thought was cool. It was like, I, I felt like, oh my God, I've never appreciated how cool the shore trooper looks. like. Thank you, fan strike back. Thank you for making me recognize the coolness of the shore trooper. Like, I don't know why he has a random pop of blue here, but mm-hmm. it looks kind of neat. So uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate the helmet design as well. The paint treatment on that one was pretty neat. You know, it's like, it's funny after a while, like the sort of all the stormtroopers and the scout troopers and the snow troopers, they all sort of blend together after a while. But that one was a little bit more distinctive. But there were a fair amount of troopers. I mean, what is Star Wars without its various troopers? Um, but that one was pretty, uh, pretty cool trying to think now, like what would be my third? Cause I was going to do the Japanese stormtrooper. So I'm just trying to think the, of like, what, there was a probe uh, droid. what other, uh, big one that I would like. Yeah, there was the probe droid. The probe droid was cool. Um, there was like a bunch of stuff. There was, and if you would like to pose next to a, uh, a life-size figure of the emperor on his throne, there was that. That was pretty cool. There's a lot of stuff if you want good photo moments. There's a ton throughout the exhibit. And maybe you won't be quite as enthusiastic about your photo, uh, your photo poses yeah. as Dalton was. I mean, the Tuscan Raider was pretty cool. I, I had to make up for the fact that I was taking terrible photos, so I had to at least perform when I was in front of the camera. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to they had they had Han Solo and Carbonite, which of course is super cool. And I told Lauren when I was a kid, playing with my action figures, they're not dolls, mom. They're action figures. <laughs> And what I would do was I would get my Han Solo action figure, I'd get a little bowl, I'd fill it up halfway with water, I would put him in the water, so like his limbs were like extending out and his face was like half out of the water, then I'd put it in my freezer overnight, and then I'd take him out and I'd have him in carbonite. Yeah. See, this now they have, you know, Han Solo and carbonite ice molds, but when we were kids... We didn't have all of these fun things, and we just had to get creative with what we were doing. So. And if I'm going to be completely honest, that's probably the most creative thing I ever did as a kid. I don't just mean in <laughs> Star Wars playing. I mean in, just playing in general. any sort of arts and crafts creation. Like That's about as creative I got was putting my Han Solo action figure in a bowl, a half-filled bowl of water. That's it. That's as far as I could go. Yeah. Um, well, listen, we saw some good. great things. My sister things. just gave all my Barbie dolls mohawks. 
Well, that is, that's even cooler. Now, see, I love your sister. She can say whatever she wants about our stupid podcast as long as she's doing that. Oh, well, you know, my sister, of course she did it to my Barbie dolls and not her Barbie dolls, but she gave them both mohawks. And occasionally she tried to perform facelifts on them, which was a little disturbing, but she really did like give, you know, it was mid eighties. So punk was still an influence, but she gave a fair amount of my Barbie dolls mohawks. Okay, wait a minute. Stop everything. Stop yes. the podcast. What do you mean she gave them facelifts? She would like literally cut the, I don't know what she was doing. Uh, I mean, the bar, what do the you mean she would cut their face? Understand. She, she would literally like take like a knife and like try to like do weird things to their faces. And it was my Barbies. She would never do it to her Barbies, but she would. Uh, and we're going to get another response from her next week about this, because I also told my daughter that she did this. And my daughter was horrified that her aunt did such things. Do we have pictures of this? Do we have photo as Because this is, sounds like the things of like no. horror films are made of. no but i don't know we did like sorts of weird things and i don't know if it was like we were trying to perform surgery on them and you know when you're a bored kid in the 80s you got up to some weird stuff it's either like you're doing plastic surgery on barbies or it sounds vaguely like almost like a a weird science situation like kelly lebrock is gonna sort of appear somehow that might have been the influence now that i'm thinking about it because it was around that time so we might have been doing a weird sciencey kind of things but I just kind of remember the haircuts and the and the facial surgery was happening at the same time. And so many v- listeners are going to think we are absolute weirdos for this. And they're one hundred percent right. Yeah, we were pretty we were pretty weird. So completely. All right. Well, shout out to Bill Paxton for weird science, by the way. Uh, so mm-hmm. listen, we saw a lot of really cool things at the Fan Strike Back exhibit, but we saw a few things that also disturbed us, and we'll talk about that right after this quick break. All right, Lauren, so we talked about the stuff we really loved seeing at the Fan Strike Back fan convention in New York City. It's not a convention, it's an exhibit. But let's mm-hmm. now, there were a few things, because remember, this is these are not professionals that work for Lucasfilm making these things. These are, again, fan creations. And for the most part, super duper impressive, like amazing. Mm-hmm. As we've already established, I have no arts and crafts skills or photography skills, apparently. But- There were a few things that were just slightly off. I know there's two of them, and I'll let you Mm -hmm. decide which one you want to pick, and I'll take the other one, because they're equally uh, frightening. Okay, so when we've gotten to sort of, I guess it was the Endor section, they had two uh, Ewoks, which were a little nightmare fuel-y, but at the uh, base of one of the troopers that was, uh, I guess one of the scout troopers that was on Endor, there was a decapitated Ewok head, which I was just like, what is that? Wicket would be appalled. Like, it was just this like little Ewok head that was sitting at the base of its foot, and I was just like, that's just so strange. Were they, do you think maybe because we as clearly established the Ewoks won the Battle of Endor and then they used the yeah. Stormtrooper helmets as a drum set? Do you think they were a little <laughs> low? Like, did they use a, like one of their own Ewok heads for the drum kit? I would hope not. I would hope that Wicket would have put a stop to that. But I, I, you know, I guess a scout trooper saw what was happening to one of his fellow uh, troopers and took revenge. But that was pretty brutal to see. That was one of those times I was glad my daughter was not with me because I don't think she would have responded to that one pretty well. Lauren, you're you're 
being really kind actually right now. I actually am. I am. I am trying to. I know people make these things Listen, and I feel bad if it's just like I don't want to bust on people who are doing stuff that I don't. Have well, let me let me tell about. you what Lauren's doing here. She's trying to be nice mm-hmm. and she's saying that the decapitated Ewok head was the most disturbing <laughs> thing of this part of the exhibit. And she's nowhere close because the two Ewoks standing next to the decapitated Ewok head were Definitely more disturbing. They were like, I, I guess yeah, they one did. of them was supposed to be wicked. They're they were I can't really explain well, but they're both too thin and their whole bodies look too flat. Like they just look like very, very flat. And you know, Ewoks, like, yeah. you know, they're, they're they're you know, little little chubby little dudes. Yeah, they're chubby little dudes. They have some dimension to them. They, you know, and these ones did not. Yeah, they look like Ewoks that had been on an intermittent fasting diet. They were just <laughs> very thin Ewoks. But it was mostly, I think, the facial expressions on them were a little bit uh, nightmare-inducing, I felt. Well, because they were smiling. And why? Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but the smiling made them seem even more scary for some reason. Like, we, yeah. we were like, demented, misfit of island toys Ewoks. Something went wrong. And you know, we're going to smile while we murder you and apparently have beheaded one of our fellow Ewoks already. (laughs) So like, that's your warning. Watch out. We're coming. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they were, that was really disturbing. And then the other really weird looking thing was there was, so Chewbacca was there. Although I didn't realize Mm -hmm. it was Chewbacca at first because, you know, it, it basically looked like a kind of regular, not so great looking Chewbacca to begin with. Mm-hmm. But then someone plopped like a 99 cent party city witch's wig on top of his head. <gasps> so he had this gray, you know, it's regular Chewbacca and then like Mullet. a weird gray wig on top of his head. And I was like, is this old Chewbacca? Is this Chewba- is Chewbacca's dad? Well, that's what I thought. Is this, is this <laughs> yeah. Atachitook from the Star Wars holiday special? Uh, looking after <laughs> Lumpy while Lumpy's listening to Starship playing on his uh, futuristic mm-hmm. toy. I don't know how, what Starship is doing on Kashyyyk, but there they are, along with B. Arthur <laughs> and the gang. But uh, no, it was Chewbacca. And I still, Lauren, cannot figure it out. I've been waking up in a cold sweat at night <laughs> with nightmares of this Chewbacca with the gray wig on top of his head, and I still don't understand it. You know what the funny thing was? I I sent my husband the name to Halloween Builder, and he actually liked it. Like I sent him a photo of that Chewbacca because I just thought like this is looks a little demented. But he's like, oh, that looks pretty good. And I was like, did you go blind? What happened? But honestly, I think if you took off the hair, like the it just looked like something had gone wrong. A bad trip to the uh, hair salon for Chewbacca there, or maybe he just had a pandemic related. Like hasn't been to the hair salon in a long time, and. It's just, it's t- it's time for a cut. Does Chewbacca Julie. get his roots done? Is that what you're saying? Is there a little coloring going <laughs> yeah, on I'm thinking, with Chewbacca? Yeah. Is that what's going on? It's been, it's been a hard pandemic for everyone. <laughs> not everyone's hair protocols have gone back to, you know, I know some people have gone fully gray during this time after many years of dying. So. Oh, it was weird yeah. looking. It was weird looking. But like, you know what? The majority of this stuff was really, really impressive. So the fact that then you got a few things that were slightly off was kind of fun at the same time. And then there was just some rando things in there. There was like a giant life-size General Veers, which we know <laughs> our our coworker Christian is obsessed with General Veers. But what was so mm-hmm. bizarre about it is I think it was the one life-size figure in the entire place that had no face. 
just no face. Yeah. It was just like it was like a mannequin, but everyone else had a face. Even people that got their faces burned off, like Anakin Skywalker, had a face. <laughs> Veers, no face. The, the, no he, face. He didn't seem like a hard guy to do. But it's like Julian Glover, like, you know, I don't think that would, you know, could have just put a picture of Julian Glover up in there. That would have been fine. Like <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently not. Maybe maybe they just ran out of time. All right. Anything else you want to get into off this uh, fan strike back situation, this exhibit we went to? Any other notes? No, it's sort of like it was kind of an interesting thing because like when you proposed going to it, I didn't really like I had heard of it, but I didn't really know what we were getting into. So honestly, if you are, you know, if you like Star Wars and I think the most fun I had was just walking around with you looking at stuff and cracking jokes the whole time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I mean, it beats it beats a day in the office. But, you know, I, I just, it, you know, if you like Star Wars and stuff, you'll probably find it somewhat entertaining. Uh, though I'm curious uh, what you feel about the whole yeah, thing. You, yeah, we bungled that, by the way. We went on a day where we didn't even have to go to the office. This would have been the perfect- no. Sorry, I sorry, Charlie. I was technically off that day, so- I know, we were, we were off work. Yeah. We, we should have gone on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It would have been all good, but no, we messed that up. Uh, it was fun. If you're going around with Star Wars fans, it was fun. I still feel bad for messing up the photo outside with my thumbprint. Because you look like a badass with your two toy lightsabers. I think that it's salvageable. I think it's salvage. I have salvaged worse. Okay. You know, oh, I, I have. That's supposed mm. to make me feel good. I've salvaged worse. <laughs> okay. You have not seen the things that you know. Some good crop work. I'll, it'll be fine. It, we we had a blast, I, and I hope you mm-hmm. all had a blast listening to our exploits at the, at the fan strike back. Uh, before we get out of here, a little tease for next week. The cast of Andor will be joining us next week. So get psyched to hear Diego Luna and company. Basically, while Lauren and I were hanging out with scary fan-made Ewoks, Devin was hanging out with the cast of Andor is basically what happened there. So That's the benefit of living in Los Angeles. We we will also have our former co-worker and current graphic novelist extraordinaire and fat man on Batman host Mark Bernardin with us. So it is going to be awesome sauce all around. We are really digging doing this. We hope you are digging listening to it. If so, please follow and please rate the podcast and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do leave us a review, we'll give you a shout out right here on the pod. Just don't say nah. Also hit us up on social media. You can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan and at Morg Lore. Thanks so much, everyone. Say goodbye, Lauren. See you later, guys. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>